What up? And welcome to another episode of Free Basketball Grizzlies Edition. We are presented by the Lead Sports Media. Today we have a guest with us who is a guy from SB Nation. He's covering the Grizzly Bear Blues. He also has a podcast, Locked on Grizzlies. Sean Coleman, the guy, as you will hear, is very knowledgeable of the Grizzlies, but he kind of brings a different feel to it. I was um, very lucky to meet him over in the Locker Room app. If you don't have the Locker Room app, please get it, download it. It's on all your Apple products. Not quite Android yet. Sean is a very good listen. His voice just sounds like pure velvet. Uh, I love Sean. And so it gave us a chance to kind of just chit-chat about the Grizzlies and how the season has gone. Uh, kind of what we're looking at for the future uh, with Jaron, uh, but also Justice coming back. Any trades that were kind of run down and see if it's at all possible that these Grizzlies go all in on the season, but also for the future. Does that include a Zach Levine, a Bradley Bill? Do they move on from Gorgie Jang? We don't know. But me and Sean discussed it, though. This was recorded on Sunday, which was in the afternoon, before the Grizzlies had their uh, Bulls game canceled. So that was a little outdated right away, as everything is with COVID. Everything changes. But the content is very good, still on point. There's nothing outdated about that. So please join me in welcoming Sean Coleman as our interview this week. Today we have a guy with us who is a contributor for the Grizzly Bear Blues. He's also a part of Talking Chop, which is a part of SBN uh, Nation uh, as part of the Atlanta Braves uh, deal, such as the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, he's also a podcast host for Locked on Grizzlies. Every time I say it, I almost say Locked up Grizzlies. Uh, which would be probably fitting for Memphis. Um, he's also a fellow participant on the Locker Room app. If you don't have it, it is a spin on a live podcast. But most of all, and the reason I have him on, is he is a dude that just spit straight facts. And you'll get to know that today. Sean Coleman. What's up, Sean? Hey, man. Thank you for the kind introduction. How are you? It's, a, it's nice to uh, finally be able to talk Grizzlies basketball with you. I know we've been trying to do this for a little bit. Uh, I had a uh, mouth surgery and so it kind of postponed everything. And then I started this uh, podcast first of the year and doing a spinoff of a regular free basketball podcast and doing just Grizzly. So I went to have some Grizzly people on as well as other people uh, who are part of the lead sports media, such as myself, but also kind of branching out and to fellow friends. But uh, we do things a, a little different. And so you have probably never listened to this so far. And I'm so glad if you haven't, uh, but we have a thing that I kind of want to bring you in and get you right into the fire. It's a segment I call clutch time. Okay. It's just pretty simple. I'm going to ask you some questions and you give me your answers. Long, short, one word, 10 words. I don't care. This is all on you. This helps us as the, my listeners get to know you better. And so as they start to listen to you and find out more about you, They'll branch off into your podcast, and then we're all just, you know, reaping the benefits of all our listeners joining. So uh, this is a chance to get to know you, Sean. So are you ready for clutch time? Let's, let's get ready to go. All right. You're on the clock. Super Bowl champ this year. Uh, Packers. Ooh, I like that. Uh, your favorite, three-pointer or a dunk? Three-pointer. Wow. You're the first person that's ever said that. Um if you were to uh, be a breed of dog, which one would you be? Ooh, that's a... <laughs> um, do, do you I'll like go dogs? You do lab? Oh, yeah. Got two of them. Okay. Got two cool. of them. I'll go lab. All right. The American dog. Um, all right. The favorite place you have ever visited? <sighs> Knoxville, Tennessee. Oh, God. Turned down a job <laughs> there. Even though my wife uh, went to school there with you at uh, Tennessee man. Ball. Um, what was your first job? Um, I was actually a, a grocery store, a bag boy, shelf boy, whatever you want to call it. Did that for three years. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Yeah, dude. That's old school. 
many a day coming up with sports conspiracies and trades for my favorite team stocking those shells. <laughs> All right. What was your first vehicle then? Uh, I had a 1986 Nissan King Cab. And the thing about it is, is that it was, it was called a King Cab. My grandfather had it for a decade before he passed away and I got it. But the King Cab was a bit of a, a bit of a joke because I'm pretty sure Fred Flintstone, Fred Flintstone would have turned this car down <laughs> for his car. That's that that you could see holes in the bottom of the uh, uh, floorboard. But it did me well for three or four years. So a 1986 Nissan King Cab. Wow, that's awesome. All right, so uh, personal favorite sports moment. Uh oh, the Vols winning the uh, 1998 uh, the College Football National Championship. So forever a Peyton Manning stand. Is that right? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. No, no. Peyton Manning's the best quarterback that ever played the game. <laughs> That's probably actually true. Um, all right. So your favorite athlete of all time in any sport? Chipper Jones. Wow. I was surprised. I yeah, thought you might sure. go Peyton after that. Well, uh, did, Peyton's up there. Jordan's up there. But Chippers are going to be the all-time favorite. Yeah. I saw his last game, which was kind of cool. Um, all right. So toilet paper on the roll, over or under? uh over yep i go over me as well uh so do you have a nickname uh <laughs> i guess um I, I have a lot of different nicknames um but rowdy i, I i've had multiple people uh, my best friend as well as a few others who just got to know me they uh, told me that i remind them of farva from super troopers and i believe his nickname <laughs> was rowdy in there so we're gonna go rowdy on that one that is awesome uh, all right, so yeah. do you have a uh, favorite movie or show of all time that's your number one? Oh, yeah. Dark Knight is my favorite um, mm. uh, movie of all time, Lion King. I'll, I'll always say it's a tie, but Dark Knight's always there. And then as far as the TV show goes, it's Full House. Oh, old school. So a quick question on The Lion King. Like the animated series, The Lion King. Yeah. The and new one? No, no, no. The 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 movie, the the uh, the uh, live action one was a travesty. Like I, I just I, I did not like the the new one at all. Really? When when you can when you can get more when you can buy into the emotion of an animation more than you can a live action, I think that's a pretty bad indictment on the live action. I'll take the uh, the animated one all day. <laughs> all right. So uh, last one, uh, a little thought provoking. Uh, but we've had some different ones in the shows. And so this is a new one. But um, if you're starting a business of your choosing and you could continue the business, kind of take over it, whatever, uh, what four other people do you bring in to run it with you and why? Oh, that's a that's a good, good question. Um, all right. So I'll have to go. I'll have to go with uh, my best friend, Chris. Uh, because um, probably go with my best friends, Chris and Andy, because they are ones that we always are always on the same page and, and really, really good about, um, you know, getting projects done together when we when we put our heads together. Uh, I'd have to go with Paul Heyman to promote the hell out of it. Uh, so that's 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 the whole thing about it, because he may not add anything more than just putting the idea into people's heads. And that's the best thing that you can have as far as starting up a business goes. Um, and then, I don't know, I, I'm going to have to come up with some sort of genius to, I probably go Warren Buffett. And the reason why I say Warren Buffett is because he not only is a guy who could sit there and help us out with the financials, but also with the investments and things such as that. So I'll go with my two good friends, Chris and Andy, Paul Heyman and Warren Buffett. Wow. Shout out Chris and Andy. Um, st you're still making the team, Chris and Andy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They'll, they'll always make the team, but, uh, Hey, I'm going to tell you something. That's a fun, that's a fun way to start this show. I, that, 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 those are some, I think there's a couple of answers. I may change if more time to think about it, but that would defeat the purpose of it. I like that. I like that. Dan. Yeah. We, so we try to do that because one, it's, it's kind of an icebreaker, but it allows us to get to know you more kind of sure. what you're thinking. So when we're hearing your, spill on why Jonas Valanciunas is a top 10 center in the league we know that you're a good guy and that we can trust you <laughs> that's a, that's, hey it's always good to make sure that your listeners know if they can trust who they're listening to or not because I agree <laughs> a lot of times I can bring my wife in here a lot of times 90% of the time I'm full of BS 10% of the time I'm lying that's what I tell people so <laughs> that is awesome well let's uh let's get into a little Grizzlies talk uh 
we'll try to keep this somehow short and sweet, but we don't get a lot of time to just talk Grizzlies only. Usually when we're in the locker room, we we're battling and trying to carry the flag of the Grizzlies because one, nobody gives us much love in there. Uh, oh, yeah. But two, we, we talk Grizzlies. We, we see a lot of the same ideas. Uh, you're much smarter than I am. Uh, 10 out of 10. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm kind of the goober and you're the, I'm the hot take goober and you're the guy who spits straight facts, as I said, in your intro. Uh, so people are absolutely going to love you on this podcast, but let's get into the Grizzlies who are seven and six right now. We're dealing with a lot of COVID issues. They're six and four in the last 10. They're on a five game win streak. We'll hit on that later. They're six in the West uh, points per game. They are second to last 106.6, which could be a little bit of a, a, a uh, not having John Morant there. And, but uh, an opponent's points per game, we are third in the West at 107.3 so we're very close uh 0.7 difference there what has been your overview entire synopsis of this season so far that you have seen we're probably what 20 percent of the way in so what's your complete overview of the season so far i see a team that when you say that there's something Outside the box score, there's something, you know, that you don't see on the court. It can't be measured by numbers. That's what describes this Grizzlies team to me. And that is how determined they are to come off the disappointment of not making the playoffs last year to make it this year. And it's not just that each individual has, is motivated by that in their own way, Daniel. It's that they're motivated on it by the same way of buying into what Coach Jenkins wants to do because they know that's the best avenue for them to get to the playoffs. And they've done it because they've created an identity that is plays to what Coach Jenkins wants to do, but also plays off them trusting each other. And that's playing defense. Um, this team individually, without John, without Jaron, without Justice, and now without Jonas, they don't have the individual talents themselves for one person to take over or to do their own individual thing to be able to find a way to win. It's through them working together for the strengths of the team and playing defense. And, and that's what shined through. I did an article over Grizzly Bear Blues where if you look at this team, there is a lot of similarities between this team right now without their best talents and how the grit and grind Grizzlies played. They committed to, they, they forced turnovers. They played defense. They didn't shoot three pointers, but they went to their strength and they played in the paint. And that's how they were. They stayed competitive and then found ways to win. And that's what this team is doing. So the biggest thing that jumps off the page to me is their commitment to winning their commitment to wanting to make the playoffs allows for them to be committed to themselves and under one United goal, they've formed an identity with the defense. I don't know if it stays this good going forward, but I do think it's going to be good enough to make a difference for them to stay in the playoff hunt the entire season. Yeah, it's um, it's weird because you on, on paper and probably to the outside um, world, the outside fan, they look at us like just a just normal dudes. John Moran obviously gets off the bus, as they say, and you're like, all right, that guy, you know, he can ball. We know who he is. Um, and then you have other people that uh, they might see and say they're OK. Um, they're not going to beat you. But it's just weird that this team as a whole and much like who Memphis as a city is kind of bands together, um, a little underrated in, in general. But it's just the, the chemistry and the talent that they have together just kind of completely exudes on the court and allows them to, one, look like they're having fun, but two, makes them a good basketball team. Chemistry is a big issue. And so I love that, one, your answer, but two, that they're actually a team that has fun and, and just plays together, which is so which is so fun for us fans. Agreed. And 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 the thing that I'll say is this is that you know for a lot of these Western Conference teams, I felt that the, it, it was the two D's depth and defense. And you know, a team like the Suns, for instance, they were surprised this year because they had more in those areas than you thought they would have. With the Grizzlies, they've answered that call. Everybody knew they had depth. Nobody knew that they had this good of a defense. But it's kind of the high floor philosophy is that when it comes to the ceiling of things, the Grizzlies probably aren't there. But their consistency to have that high floor, you always know that they're going to likely get 100 points, but it's going to be you know, a question of whether or not you're going to get 100 points against them. That high floor is a lot more – you have a lot more faith in them reaching that high floor this year than their inconsistencies during good competition last year, and I think that really stands out. So as our as our better talents come, you have the basis of defense that describes that depth be, you know, below them. That really propels your team to be able to compete against anyone. Yeah, anytime you can raise your floor and 
and create consistency over the course of a team uh, that that always helps, but it also kind of you kind of know what you're getting uh, per se. But uh, the Grizz uh, they will start back Wednesday the 27th. Uh, they'll play the Bulls at home. This COVID break, I know that Jonas was the first one out, and then they kind of followed suit after that, uh, which we couldn't have enough people, and then they gave them. I guess it was a total of four games, which was the two games. Uh, it was I guess it was you know the two games against uh, the Trailblazers. Sorry. Uh, and then uh, Sacramento Kings. Was that COVID break in the end, do you think it's end up being beneficial for us as a team? Or do you think because we're on a five-game win streak, just got job back, we're starting to roll, we look good, we're playing together, or did that hurt us and kind of stop us? Do you have a take on either side? Well, I, I can see the point of we were in a groove, ready to go, and you know we're just we're, we're taking advantage of opportunities. However, I had mentioned that the stretch between January 18th and, and February 1st was a critical stretch for us because we had seven games, including three back-to-back -back series against other teams: the Trailblazers, the Kings, and the Spurs, who were right there in that playoff discussion with us, or want to be in that playoff discussion with us. So you've got two game swings there. Um, I think that, yeah, there's something to be said about being in a groove and getting going, but I'm going to side on the air. I'm going to err on the side of, you know, positivity and logic, in my opinion. This now means it's going to be less games that you'll play without Justice, Jaron, and Jonas, and those are three of our five best talents. So at the end of the day, more games you gain with them in the fold, I think is going to be better. Plus, it allows for a team that's played a lot of games, you know, in a row to gather their strength. And you get time to make adjustments as well. So I think for the a team, the way that the Grizzlies play, not only gaining your best balance backs is good, but having kind of this, you know, lull in the season allows for you to adjust things to make you better. So, you know, I'm not saying that I would prefer them not playing. I'm just saying that I think they're going to take advantage of it. And in the end, it's going to benefit them health-wise. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't know when Justice or Jaron comes back, uh, but not having them for those games definitely um, could help if we end up having to play them. But they were also the Trailblazers uh, were without you know two key players right then, and yeah. I know that CJ has been the Grizzlies' killer. That was probably the perfect time to play the Trailblazers if we had to. So that part sucked. Yeah, great. Uh, but in the end, you know, even if we go two and two, which it's hard to beat a team that you're playing back to back both games. So if we went two and two, um, I still felt like that was a win, but there was potential there to go three and one. And uh, yeah, I don't know if we're going on a nine game win streak with uh, four and oh on that little series, but that was a good chance to catch those teams who aren't playing their best ball. And so I know it's not ideal. When I look at all this, I think of it as a player. If you get an extra break, to one, kind of create, you know, more team chemistry, more practice time as a coach. Um, you have two guys that potentially could be coming back soon. You have a chance to work them back into the groove. That way, whenever you do get started, if they're closer to coming back, then I think that's beneficial to uh, having, you know, Jaron potentially coming back and him just getting ready in practice when we don't have much going on. I think that has very much potential, but Anything that you know news-wise, because I don't at all, about Jaron or Justice, do we have an idea when they might come back? No, and that's the thing about it is that, you know, and, and I'll, first off, I'll say this. Um, you bring up an excellent point in that one thing that the Grizzlies have taken advantage of, and I think it's relevant to sit here and say, I don't think you need to sit here and say, well, this is the reason why they've unexpectedly been better than, you know, many had, had them slotted to be. They've had a stretch where they've missed some of the better talents on the teams that they're playing. They haven't played Kevin and Kyrie despite two games against the Nets. They missed out on Joel Embiid, missed out on Colin Sexton twice. That's relevant to their success. But with that being said, who cares? That's what allows right. for you to win. So I do agree with you that them missing out on the Portland without CJ, that could, you know, that was definitely a positive in their case. But with Justice and Jaron, I'm not sure. Uh, I think that the reason why – I think that the reason why the Grizzlies are kind of still taking their time, if they're this successful, and right now being above 500 is just what you have to go with right. is considering to be successful, I think that you're probably still going to see them, um, you know, come back. I would say late January, early February. I did a thing on my podcast the other day, Daniel, where I put, you know, what's the buy or sell Jaron playing 50 games. We're at 59 games left. I put him at less than 50 games because I think even if he does come back, there's a couple of games he'll sit. But now I'm thinking that it may be over. But I, I would think probably towards 
the very end of January, but probably early February, I would say within the next two weeks, we either see both of them back or we, we get a good indication one of them are back and one is close. But the reason why no one knows, you're not going to know when these injured players are back until that um, injury report comes out before the game. And that's why there's always such a buzz when these injury report comes out because the Grizzlies just don't give a lot of indications on injuries. Yeah, that's crazy. And that's what um, I, I love about this front office is they keep stuff close to the best uh, because I think that's the way it should be. Everything stays in-house. We don't need to know as a fan. We really don't. What's the reason that we need to know about all this besides getting our hopes up? Um, I say handle it as a team internally. And so I like that. Um, and my, my position on getting Jaron and Justice back, I don't know what these guys do towards the trade deadline. And I'll ask you that in a second. But getting a player such as Jaron back this late into the year, getting a player like Justice, who he has never been in a Grizzlies uniform so far, and getting him at some point, because he's going to play this year. Okay, we, we know that. That's a realistic idea. Getting them two back is like getting a trade at the trade deadline or somewhere similar. Do you think that these Grizzlies just bank on that and go with the build that they're doing? Or do you think they potentially make some kind of moves towards the trade deadline to make this team better, to hurry up the, I guess, the, the window of opportunity? Or do you think they just kind of go as is and just take these two players that are coming back and use that as our, our trade pieces? You know, I had asked uh, Zach Kleiman that exact question um, back before the season um, or right before the start of the season. You know, what is the goal with this season? The difference between in the past, over the past 18 months before the season, you were so aggressive in getting pieces that you wanted. Now you've got a team in place, a deep roster in place that you put together, but you kind of take a step back and let things come to you. And he said, that's exactly the thing. It's data accumulation. And that's the thing you have not seen what the true ability of this Grizzlies team is, is because you're missing two of your key talents, two of the four talents you really consider part of your future. Um, so with Justice and Jaron, I think that, yes, the goal is to get them back. Then you probably have six weeks to kind of assess what this Grizzlies team is with those talents back. As far as a trade goes, you know, we're going to see a guy that I think a lot of people would love to potentially go after in Zach Levine, hopefully be playing the Grizzlies when we get back on schedule on Wednesday. I think that the Grizzlies kind of sit back and let things develop on their own and come to them rather than force the situation. I could see if they're kind of, you know, falling out of the playoff hunt. You may see a surprising name like a Jonas Valanciunas or a Tyus Jones traded. I would bet against it more than I would see it happening. But I think at the end, you see them probably trade a Gorgie Dang unless there's just an injury that makes him a valid part of the rotation. But I don't think you're going to see a major name traded like a Jonas or a Tyus, and I also don't think you're going to see them buy into going after a big piece like a, a Zach Levine or somebody like that that's going to cost you most, multiple rotation pieces like a Dylan, like a Brandon, because at the end of the day, I think the Grizzlies are satisfied with just letting whatever happens with this group they have in place, whatever outcome happens with that, I think they're satisfied and they'll deal with those results as is. Yeah, so that was kind of going into my next question. Um I, I obviously you gave us whether or not that they'd make kind of a trade, but if they were to make a trade for Zach Levine or, or Bradley bill. And as you stated, you don't think that actually happens, but what do you think is the haul that it takes to get him from the grizzly side? What do the Washington wizards or Chicago bulls actually want? And they could be different because obviously they might have different needs, but do you see a, a package that it would take to get them? Yeah, so with the um, for sure with the um, Wizards, I think that the Wizards are going to want as many valuable picks as possible. Plus, they're, you're going to have to money match. Plus, they're going to have to at least get one intriguing player back. And in my opinion, from there, uh, maybe a pick swap or two. So I think what you're looking at is, is that the first thing that's going to be on the Wizards' minds is getting our most valuable potential picks back. And that is um, our... Um, 2021 first, the Utah Jazz is a first that we have, the Golden State Warriors first that we have, probably Gorgie Dang, probably Dylan Brooks, and either they're going to want Brandon Clark as well, or they're wanting to get uh, pick swaps. So you're talking about three firsts plus Dylan plus Gorgie because you're going to have to sit there and match contracts and either Brandon Clark on top of that or pick swaps. Now, that may seem like a lot, but when you consider what Drew Holiday fetched, Mm -hmm. what it costs the Bucks, plus 
Bradley Beal is more of an offensive-oriented player, and that just kind of adds a bit more value to what it's going to take to get him. Um, I think that that's what you're going to see the Grizzlies have to pay in the end. With Zach Levine, I think that you're going to have to see, at the very least, you're going to have to see, basically it becomes, you know you're trading Dylan to get Levine. What's the difference for the Bulls to make that swap? It's going to be adding Brandon Clark and at least one first. Um, and I think that you'll have to make it you know, a second first or a pick swap. I don't know if Levine is that much of a difference between him and Dylan. He's obviously significantly better. But to get the Bulls incentive to trade him, it's going to cost you Clark, Brooks, and at least one first and probably a pick swap or another first to get it done. Yeah, so the Wizards thing, I know a lot of people are, are, are hearing this and like, that's a lot. But yeah, if there is a way... And, and, I, and I think it does work. I haven't looked at it at the actual stats yet, but Gorgie Dang and Dylan Brooks for Bradley Bill uh, works money-wise. If we're talking about giving up two picks, if not three, or doing two picks and some pick swaps, that's almost a no-brainer to me for the simple fact that one one of those picks, which is the Utah pick, is not ours. If you give ours up, okay, that means that if we're getting Bradley Bill this year, we should be in the playoffs. So do we really need those extra picks? I feel like we are so deep with our depth right now that we could take off a year or two out of the draft and pick lower and be okay because of the way we're drafting, especially in the second round and finding that value. So realistically, we're, we're losing Dang at the end of the year. Dylan Brooks has kind of been, you know, bad Dylan, good Dylan. And sometimes even good Dylan is a bad Dylan because of the way he's played over time. I think doing that only makes sense. And I know that would give us Bradley Bill for, I think he's got two more years on his contract. I like that. And I don't know if that's what they're willing to do, but I think that they have a chance. I think we have, a, we're in a very good spot where we have enough depth. We could actually give up some of these uh, key role players to create more options and more opportunity for these other players that are all fighting right now for, for minutes. So uh, do you think that actually could happen? Yes or no? No. And, okay. and the reason that I say that is because of this, the reason that I say that is your idea of that trade making sense for Bradley Bill in a vacuum. It is equal. I agree with you hundred percent there, but the thing is, is that Washington is going to want a haul that is comparable to what Drew Holiday was traded for. And you saw how the Lakers gave up their future for Anthony Davis. The Nets did it for Harden. The Bucks did it for Holiday. And the Clippers did it for George. Well, the one difference between those four teams giving up their futures for those four players and the Grizzlies is by acquiring the stars, those four teams that acquired the stars, they realistically became title contenders. If the Grizzlies give up all that, which they're going to have to to get Beal, they're not going to be legitimate title contenders because they're not anywhere near the overall ability of those other four teams to win a title. So the reason why I, I know a Mark King who used to host Lockdown Grizzlies, he brought up a great point. When he had the chance to get a star, you get it. And I agree with that to an extent. But if you're going to sit there and give up most of, if not all of your future assets for someone right now, you have to do it if you feel like it's going to make you a title contender. Giving up all that for Beal does not make us a title contender. It makes us a good chance to make it interesting in the first round to get into a second round. And I just don't think you pay that price to get that label as a team right now. You wait until some of those other teams are past their contending windows and Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Moran are closer to their prime, I think, to make the big move of a Beal-esque type move. Yeah, I just uh, I agree with that and and a lot of factors except for like the Utah pick, you know that's not that's going to be a lower first round pick. Uh, the Golden State sure. pick out of 2024, who knows what that's going to be like? Yeah. Um, that's so so unknown. If we had to give up both of those and one of ours, I feel like we're still in a good spot. But I get that you're also giving up everything you worked hard for to get to yeah. this point where we feel comfortable. So um, I understand uh, completely. I don't think it happens either, but I, I would not be upset if we had to do something weird uh, and to get that. Um, sure. You're not upset if you get a Bradley Beal. No. <laughs> there's no, there's no upsetting scenario here. It's just making the most sense of opportunities. So I get it. Yeah. If the picks could be the main haul, if that could be like 70 to 80% of the value that we gave up for Bill. Sure. Do it all day long. Uh, but it's just at the end of the day, how much are you going to have to give up? And if it's 
comparable to what these other teams that became title contenders gave up for you just to become, you know, a playoff lock. I, I think it, it kind of takes away from the legitimacy of doing it in my opinion. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, last one though. Um, this is a, a weird trade that I've kind of thought we don't exactly need Gorgie Dang on this team. If we have a very good Xavier Tillman, uh, Jonas Valanciunas, Jaron Jackson Jr., and even Justice Winslow, he is being paid the most. If there is a chance to get uh, a decent player back for Dang, does it make sense to trade for someone who's on an expiring contract, who's hurt out for the season? If we can get some trade capital back for them, such as a Spencer Dinwiddie, does that make sense at all to you? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I, th I think with Dinwiddie, you have the opportunity to wear, and I think that's actually a, a very good scenario. If you were to trade for Dinwiddie, and I think another player who just isn't on the Nets roster, um, and, and you could go get a dang, that probably does make some sense. I, I think Dinwiddie, the other added caveat with him, though, is that you do have, I believe it's a team option for $12.5 next year for him to come back. I think that the um, um, Nets will probably want to hang on to that, but your general you know, idea of trading for a guy who may be injured that the Grizzlies could have a team option on for next year, could it make sense? Sure. Uh, I think that the Grizzlies may still value the expiring contract of Dang plus what he could add if there's injuries. Um, the other thing is, is that I, I don't necessarily know, you know, what the Grizzlies are looking at, because I think Justice Winslow is more of a question now than people might be letting on. I think the Grizzlies want to pick up his team option, but that's also a considering factor. But yes, in general, I think that that is a very good way of looking at things, is that if you can't get, at this point, I think Gorgie Dang may be worth two seconds potentially. But yeah. for instance, I had thrown out the idea of looking at, like, for instance, going to get a, a Rodney Hood and an Asir Little from Portland, but going with your idea, you gain an intriguing wing prospect through that, but you also gain with Rodney Hood, you know, I believe it's a non-guaranteed second part of his deal. You are getting the option of having him next year. So you're right on the button when it comes to that creativity. I could see the Grizzlies certainly doing that type of creative move if they were to use Gorgie Dang uh, besides just keeping him for the expiring contract. Yeah, they're in a good spot. And uh, worst case, they hold on to him and have that uh, stability behind uh, that center position. But it yeah. also uh, it allows us to potentially bring him back next year on a on a veteran minimum because he knows there's probably no way he's making that money somewhere else, uh, the high money. But somebody could pay him more than us, which is fine. But if if it's goodwill that he says you held on to me. I like this team. They're young and upcoming. I'll, I'll take a lower amount. Um, that might be something that they would be interested in as a veteran minimum. All right, last question. Um, your thoughts on Coach Jenkins so far just in his second year? Yeah, um, he is a wonderful, wonderful presence to have for this team. Um, I have talked with national riders, I've talked with local riders, and I've talked with Coach Jenkins himself. The one thing that stands out, the one thing that is constantly pointed out about him, Daniel, is his attention to detail. And the importance of that is, is that it's from every level. It's from game preparation to developing players, to knowing regiments, to making sure that he's got the preparation schedule in place, especially what's going on with COVID. He's got everything organized. And that allows, what it does, it just allows for him to connect on many levels with his players. And he gets players, um, he's no nonsense in terms of his preparation for games. He knows how to make adjustments. You could probably say he's probably loyal to, you know, some, some non-effective things a bit too much, you know, like he was with Solo and uh, Jay last year, Grayson this year, whatever it may be. But he knows what parts of the game to emphasize. He is a very, very underrated tactician when it comes to defense, adjusting on the fly, knowing how to give different looks and things such as that. But you can the one thing that you could say about Coach Jenkins that I love is that in terms of how he gets along with the players and also through teams and strategies, how he emphasizes their strengths. It's big that he adds value in both areas. He adds clear value for this team. And you can see with the defensive, you know, identity we gained and how much it's helped us out. Uh, it really has made a difference. So I think that not only is he a wonderful leader for this team, but he does have plenty of value. He's a big reason why this team has exceeded expectations, you know, especially with playmaking and defense. I think we're lucky to have him. If the question is, can he be there when we really are ready to contend and can be there to still add value when we're trying to get 
to, you know, maybe an NBA title. I think he certainly has shown he can do that. Yeah, he came out of the pop tree. Uh, Pop's probably not hanging around too much longer. I think that will only benefit him uh, personally. And as a friend, uh, a kind of a, a coach, a mentor, I imagine, um, you know, Pop could be to him a little bit, especially when he steps away from the game. A lot of times you benefit more off of those relationships when you're not competing against each other. And so I could definitely see that being helpful as a transition into uh, a young and upcoming team to now an established team. But what I've liked so far is seeing Coach Jenkins with the guys. He seems like every player genuinely likes him. Uh, there's probably somebody on the team who doesn't. Who knows? Who cares? But there's genuinely <laughs> liked by everybody. And you've seen that realistically with the coaches' challenges. Last year, it was kind of a, a meme or something with us Grizz fans that it just didn't do him. And then this year, you saw, you know, where he's won one and he's kind of set back and uh, taking his drink of water. I think it was Ja who came over and shrugged his shoulder or uh, kind of massaged his shoulders, kind of just messing with him. You see that, that fun interaction, and I think that's what you're getting with these guys is he is a guy that's – I think he's my age. I'm 36. He's close to there. Um, who is young, especially in this NBA, but he's not much older than these other players. Like they're in their 20s and he's kind of the big brother feel. And I think that he's letting his guard down in his second year. And I love that the team has taken a liking to him, but it, we're also winning and he's, he seems like he's making good decisions. So I hope that he's here for the future because he seems to be a really good find uh, and another, you know, just kind of home run for this front office. No, and I think that the other thing about it is, is that don't get me wrong, in, in no way, shape, or form do I think myself, others, things like that are smarter than these players or these coaches, but it is just so much fun getting to talk with them, Daniel. It's not just with the knowledge that they have, but how quickly it processes, and that's the thing about Coach Jenkins. You ask him a question, he will sit there and just absolutely, whether it's strategy, in-game adjustments, stats, personnel, knowing what's going on, whether his player or a specific player is on or off that night, he's able to real quickly put all of those together in an answer. So his ability to process information is also a big, big benefit. One of the reasons why we've gone with so much of a business background type approach from coach to coaching staff to front office versus a lot of basketball experience is the ability to not only gather information, know what to do with it and process it, but it's the ability to apply it in the correct ways on the fly. And that's one thing that coach Jenkins excels at. So uh, I agree with you. I think that he's not only taking a big brother approach, but he's really done a great job kind of being a CEO just as much as a coach. Yeah, he's really good. And, and I'm, I'm impressed by him uh, more this year than, than I was last year. Uh, but quick question, um, and yes or no, whatever you think. Do the Grizzlies make the playoffs this year? Yes, um, I think that they um, will make the playoffs this year. I don't know if they necessarily make it as the seventh or eighth seed. Um, I think that they make it as the ninth, personally, if you were to make me peg a spot. But I do believe they win the play-in. I believe that it's because of their high floor identity with the defense. And by that time, you know, the Grizzlies may take a little bit longer, but they may be hitting their groove kind of, you know, towards April and May when the playoffs start to come into picture with their talents that they've got coming back. So I think they make the playing game. And, and I truly believe, you know, more than I would have believed last year at any point, despite external factors helping us out, this team wants, does not want the same you know, factors last year. They are not going to accept not making the playoffs if they have a chance. I think they'll make the most of it. And I think that they definitely are going to make the playoffs this year. Always a professional. I had two questions off of that question. You answered both without me asking. <laughs> uh, my personal quote in life, uh, it's kind of a spinoff of another quote. Uh, it's always surround yourself with smarter people. So there is always someone smart in the room. So that's... <laughs> That's what I take on it. Hey, I'm a believer in that. That's why I married someone smarter than me. It always helps when you get them as close as possible. So, yeah, I married a former Vol. Uh, I'm a I'm a Gator fan. Just uh, safe to say that she that. she's the smart one in the family. Um, hopefully, my kids take after her. Uh, we'll <laughs> see. They they seem to be doing well. Uh, but anything you want to uh, kind of shout out? I, we know that we know what you're doing. We know you're the Grizzly Bear Blues and all that stuff. What's going on with you? Anything new coming out? Shout out any of them. Feel free. The floor is yours. 
Oh, thank you. Um, you can find me at Stats SAC on Twitter, the, my uh, um, show at Locked on Grizz. Um, nope, just uh, covering the season. Um, I've got a piece coming up here at Grizzly Bear Blues where I kind of dive in, not necessarily into uh, the uh, a trade itself happening, but I'm going to talk more about um, how the Grizzlies approach it from their end and why they could be an advantage against other teams. So I'll be talking about that. Uh, this week I have a special guest coming up on the show on Locked on Grizz tomorrow. We'll, we'll, we'll let that guest kind of be a surprise. Um, but um, no, just in general, um, you know, the thing that I'll say, and I thank you for this opportunity, uh, this is one of the reasons why I love doing what I do, Daniel, in terms of blogging, podcasting, locker room, whatever it may be. I just love talking with people who are passionate about the same things I am. Grizzlies, NBA sports in general, opportunities like this are, are, are great. Uh, so just uh, continuing coverage of the Grizzlies and, uh, you know, just a thank you for, you know, anybody that listens, anybody that reads what I've got. And thank you, Daniel, for opportunities such as this. It's always a pleasure, especially with someone who I've come to consider a friend, um, you know, that I know enjoys the passions that I do. Um, anytime I get to talk with you, it's always a joy. Absolutely. Uh, very much the same thing for me. It, it's crazy how, you know, we kind of met and, and talked many times on the locker room app. If you don't have it, go download it. it it's very good. Uh, it allows you to kind of talk to other people that are the same uh, or who not, who aren't the same, which is fine. Uh, you learn a lot. I've learned a lot. I've enjoyed it. Uh, but Sean, thank you for coming on. Um, I'm hoping that we get to do this many a times. Um, and I know you have your podcast locked on Grizzlies. It is very good. You, you, you podcast so much i've actually listened i'm a loyal listener now um i'm trying i'm more of a wrestling podcast guy and you yeah. know i've turned into now in listening picking up putting you in the lineup and taking some grizz, grizzly or not grizzlies wrestling shows out adding you and the chris vernon show like i've always had and it's a it's really it's a joy to listen to because it's different you're always bringing people on so we love it uh i love it i hope my listeners will go over there and check it out. It's locked on Grizzlies, not the locked up Grizzlies that I said <laughs> 10 times this week, just thinking about it. It's amazing how just a small two-letter word could change things. But I'll ask you this, Daniel, because, you know, I, this is going to determine future conversations between us. <laughs> Who is your favorite wrestler of all time? And why is it Stone Cold and nobody else? <laughs> I do like Stone Cold. He's probably, he probably is for sure in my top five. Um, yeah. But... I, I loved him growing up as a kid. If I had to pick a favorite, um, it would either be Shawn Michaels or the old school Sting. Not Ooh, even okay. the guy who dropped down from the Raptors, the guy before him. Uh, those oh, yeah. were, I fanboyed over them as a, as a young kid. So those are my jam. Who was actually yours? Was it Stone Cold growing up? Oh, yes. Stone Cold, as a matter of fact, when me and my, I was surprised because I thought it was going to be taken out. But when me and my wife went into, uh, when we were introduced into the reception, of our wedding, it was to Stone Cold's entrance music. And so, <laughs> so yeah, when, when that glass shattered like that, that is probably one of those, if you if you were to describe your childhood with sounds, like three to five sounds, his glass shattering would be a part of my childhood. I absolutely love yeah. Stone Cold. It's amazing. It's that one thing. It's always when you hear that one note, the first note of a song yeah. that you know, that, that sound such as that uh, glass shatter, it's just, business is about to pick up uh such as jim yeah. ross would always say so sean thank you yeah. again uh i can talk wrestling all day my fans oh. do not want to hear that i'd almost say <laughs> uh but no thank you again for coming on we're gonna have you back again don't worry uh this if you like sean go listen to him over on locked on grizzlies uh it is very good but also pick up his stuff read his stuff uh there is stuff coming out for me as well on the lead sports media uh, but today was been an absolute joy. Uh, there's football coming on. I hope the Packers win. I have the Packers and the Bills, weirdly enough, in the Super Bowl. So I hope that comes to fruition. But uh, but today is Super Bowl Sunday. We're we're checking this before not Super Bowl Sunday. Sorry, today is the championship games, uh, and so we're recording this before they all start. So these are our predictions way before uh, we even get close to the Super Bowl. So. Uh, once again, Sean, thank you. And we'll have you on again soon, hopefully talking about these Grizzlies going to the playoffs. Yeah, and who knows? We, Me and you may be talking sooner than you think. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see you, Daniel. Thanks for having me, bud. All right. Thanks, Sean. What a great interview this week with Sean. The Clutch Time interview was so fun. Um, after we got off of uh, the interview, he pretty much just – 
was smiling ear to ear and loved that part of the segment. And I hope you all do as well. It's something fun, different, um, outside the box. I want to change it up as much as possible. If you have suggestions or really any different questions that you want us to ask, please uh, get with us over at Free Basketball on our Twitter page, at Free Basketball 3. Let us know. Ryan does run the account, but let us know. Uh, attach it on there, and we, he will make sure he gets it to me, and we will make sure we get the right information and questions. If they're good, I want you to hear them. See if we can catch some of these people being interviewed kind of off a little bit and see if we can get their real answers because in the end, that's just pure magic. And so once again, I want to thank Sean for coming on here. It was a blessing to have him. In the upcoming weeks, we'll have more people just like Sean, but also from other basketball organizations, other teams. This next week, I do believe we have something in the work with someone from the lead sports media. I'm also working on other interviews that might have more high-profile people uh, within the city of Memphis with the Grizzlies, but also in the city of Memphis. So we're trying new things. We're trying to be different and we're also trying to be fun. So I hope you're enjoying uh, what we're presenting to you each and every week because it's a lot of fun for me. But let's go ahead and get into the Grizzlies real quick. It's been weird, and COVID has kind of hit us pretty hard. I know that the only game we had in Week 5 was the Phoenix game. It seems like forever ago we actually played basketball and literally I am just kind of bored there's only so much football on right now I'm a wrestling fan I'm watching wrestling it's not great the Royal Rumble is coming up though just so if you want to tune in check it out but these Memphis Grizzlies have not played and so there's no news around them I'm hoping we get Jaron and Justice back sooner rather than later and so this will be a blessing in disguise but all we had was that Phoenix game. There's not much to talk about besides the Grizzlies grabbed another win, a good all-around game from the guys. And so we are now on a five-game win streak. With the Chicago game being canceled, we would open up on the road against San Antonio on back-to-back games. Uh, we have a day off in between. And then we would go to Indiana in, in week seven, and then go to, uh, and then we come back home for Houston, and then go on the road at the Pelicans. That's your week seven stuff, but really, there's only one game in week six, and that would be the San Antonio game Saturday, January the thirtieth at seven thirty local time here on at Central seven thirty Central. So. There's not much to say. I think we go 1-0 this week. We went 1-0 week 5. Let's just keep it rolling and let's go for six wins. It's always tough to play in San Antonio, but I think these well-rested Grizzlies will be ready to kind of growl, if you know what I mean. Sorry, that was terrible, terrible humor. Uh, but that's all we had for uh, for week 6. Uh, any prediction, it's 1-0, and I would not ever be on this podcast saying 0-1. That's just not me. But as you all know, we do try to end this on a positive note. As you heard, kind of some of my funny things I've said about Sean and being a very smart person. Well, it got me thinking, and I found this quote. It looks to be from Anonymous. I, I've tried to find out. I don't know who it's from. I think it's just a saying of people. Uh, but it simply says, Surround yourself with people who empower you to become better. And that just kind of played off of my quote that I had with Sean that I've had for my life. I'm not ever going to be the smartest person in the room. And that is perfectly fine by me. I outkick my coverage with, with marrying my wife, who is very smart. I hope my kids become smart. I have the street smarts. She is just very intelligent. I am nowhere in close to being called intelligent. So that's why my saying is always surround yourself with smarter people. So there's always someone smart in the room. So that just kind of carries over to that. It's very on, on, you know, kind of the surface. It's not very deep, but it does take a big meaning. The quote we had again, surround yourself with people who empower you to become better. 
always look to become better because in the end, as I stated with these Grizzlies, with Jaron Jackson Jr. coming back, the tide will rise. And so if you surround yourself with good people, you will become better. And so that's what we had today for our positive note. I hope that COVID is behind these Grizzlies. I know it's not behind us as a nation, as a country, but these Grizzlies, I know, are eager to play, and I hope that there's good things coming. I hope we all get fully healthy as a team. And so here's looking at week six, another healthy set of games coming up in front of us. Saturday is the next game against San Antonio. That's all we have this week's. Again, thanks to Sean Coleman for coming on here. What a joy he is. Be nice and tell your friends.